Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. So, uh, our topic today is going to be nothing but the truth. And I know that Doug has spent a lot of time researching this, and he's got some amazing things, and he's really talking about apologetics. Lord, I ask you to give Doug your anointing, help him to say the right words, don't let him say the wrong words, and help us to, to receive those words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Doug. So I want to thank everyone for watching this. And it's actually going to be very, very meaty. And I'm going to be stopping at a particular point. If you have questions, please, you know, that's important. It's important to actually ask those questions. So apologetics is usually based off of 1 Peter 3.15. And they always miss the first part. And I'll circle around back to that first part later, which will be next week. But the, first, uh, but the second part is to give an answer to every man that asks, asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. To really get into apologetics, we really got to go into some of the terms or the theology and so theism is a belief in a God. And atheism is a belief in no God. And agnostic, is, they just don't know what they believe. And that, that's actually directly true. They don't know what they believe. And evangelism is a zealous advocacy of and for a cause. And apologetics is a branch of theology devoted to the defense of the divine origin and authority of Christianity. So apologetics is actually derived from a Greek word from apologia, meaning speaking and defense. So how did I get into apologetics? Um, this is kind of the same thing that goes with when I come here. Um, God kind of laid it on my heart. He when I first heard the word uh, prayer closet from Stan, it got me curious. It got me wondering, and I started researching and wondering. And now, every night, I have time with the Lord, just me and him. But apologetics was the same thing. Sometime December of last year or November, I just heard the word. And he put it on my heart, and I just started researching more and more and more. And the first one that really kind of clicked with me was, a, um, was Jay Wallace. He was a forensic investigator, a homicide forensic cold case investigator. And that kind of clicked with me a lot. You'll see more about him later in some of the slides. Some of the sources that we use, our number one source should always be the Bible, no matter what. And number two is all other sources. <laughs> so, and this is, this is something the Lord put on my heart too, is all other sources should not fit. You should not take the Bible and fit into the sources. It should be the sources need to fit to the Bible. That's really, really important. I had heard of an apologeticist, really, really, really famous. 
And then just now he's coming out recently saying that the first six chapters of Genesis, he says, are like fiction. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. So, why apologetics? It's going to strengthen our faith. If you know and start to understand apologetics, then it's going to really strengthen what we believe in the Lord. Now, you not might, you might not have a call into a deep apologetics, but even a basic understanding and knowledge of apologetics will get you into deeper faith. And it strengthens your evangelism. It really does because you start to understand the facts that match up with the Bible. Evangelism is usually on one side and apologetics is on another. Evangelism says, hey, just the Bible. And the apologetics guys say, hey, just the facts. I say that they need to be both in the center that they need to merge together and actually have that nice center, that nice building bridge of evangelism and apologetics. So John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Not set, make. So I kind of thought that this was appropriate for this, you know, because, you know, just asking, give me the truth. Give me the truth. Well, here's the Bible. Give me something else. That is so today. That is so today. Now, before we get into a lot of the arguments of um, Christianity, or is there a God? I'm, I'm going to bring up some of the things that are really important. And one of them is, why should us Christians always be on the defensive? Should we be on the defensive when someone says, why do you believe in a God? Exactly. We should not be on it. We are always challenged to prove God exists. Always. Well, if they are challenging us, shouldn't we challenge them back to prove what they believe? Shouldn't we? I mean, it's, they need to prove their evidence of why God doesn't exist. Bless you. If there's anything you take away from this, it's these very important questions right here. And... The first question that you have to really ask, and you only have a small window of time when you're either evangelizing to a person or talking with someone, you only have that small window of time. The three important questions. What do you mean by that? I'm an atheist. What do you mean by that? Let them explain it to you. You know, after they finish explaining. Well, how did you arrive at that conclusion? This can go for many, many different statements or leading the way and lastly have you ever considered and 
you know, the different leading into what you might need to consider. So any questions so far? Also to understand is understanding the arguments that we have out there. An argument is a condition used to scientifically prove itself with facts. Now I want to make a statement here is that science, a lot of the atheists that out there say that science disproves that there is a God. I challenge that and say that science does prove that there is a God. In fact, some of the most prominent apologists are scientists. And I mean, there's one that I know of. He's a mathematician. And his parents got him into Christianity when he was young, but he still proves it with science. So it's really important. Science proves that there's a God. And an argument, this is for Bill, cannot be self-refuting. They cannot make an argument against us that's self-defeating or self-refuting. And one of the best ones is, is there is no truth. Is that true? <laughs> so now I'm going to give you the arguments that we have for the existence of a God. The Kalam argument or the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, the design argument, the axiological argument or the argument for morality, the, transcendent, the transcendental argument, and the ontological argument. So we're going to start with the cosmological argument. <laughs> so, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, yes. So, what is the Kalam argument? First, it is whatever begins to exist has a cause for its coming into being. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause for its coming into being. That is the whole Kalam argument. And because of the cause, we have a law or principle called the law of causality or the principle of causality. The relationship of cause and effect. The principle that nothing can happen without being caused. So this is going to be a video of Frank Turek. And it's about a minute and a half. I want to jump to the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. Okay, if it had a beginning, it seems it must have had a beginner. We've got two options. Either no one created something out of nothing, which is the atheistic view, or someone created something out of nothing, which is the theistic view. Now, which view is more reasonable? That no one created something out of nothing or that someone created something out of nothing? What do you think? Someone. I was at Texas A&M. 10, 15 years ago, and some atheist said, I think number one is more reasonable. I said, time out. Let's look at number two for a second. Number two says someone created something out of nothing. Now, that's a miracle, right? But at least you got a miracle worker. You got someone. Number one is a miracle with no miracle worker. That's clearly absurd. 
In fact, I said to the audience at uh, Texas A&M that night, I said, to show you how seriously we all take the law of causality, and by the way, by the way, law of causality doesn't say everything has a cause. Law of causality says everything that comes to be has a cause. There has to be an uncaused first cause. It's either the universe or something outside the universe. Something has to have always existed, otherwise nothing would exist. The only question is, what is the uncaused first cause? So I said to the audience at A&M that night, I said, to show you how seriously we all take the law of causality, that things don't pop into existence out of nothing, by nothing, without a cause. There is nobody here in this auditorium tonight who is currently worried that as you sit here, a hippopotamus has appeared out of nothing, by nothing, in your dorm room and is currently pooping on your pillow. Right? You don't worry about that, right? You're not worried that a raging Bengal tiger is just going to appear in this aisle here and start devouring people. Why? Because you know that things don't pop into existence out of nothing, by nothing, without a cause. And if So the requirements that we have for a cause is it must be transtemporal, spaceless, and immaterial. Well, let's take a look at the attributes of God. He is self-existing. He is infinite. He's simple. Immaterial. Spaceless, timeless, omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipotent, immutable, holy, and personal. And lastly, righteous. That pretty much sounds to me like God is the one that actually was, you know, it that summed it up for me right there, that he was the cause. So, I always like this statement, and I don't know why it really hits to home for me more than anything is him being the I am. Because if you really look deep into this, those words, I am everything. I am. And it... it really just hits the home for me. So what's the effect? God was the cause to the creation, the effect of the universe. All right. So I'm going to, this one's going to be a very long one. We'll probably stop after the, this design argument because this one got, gets really into it. But what is the teleological argument or the design argument? Every design has a designer. The universe has a highly complex design. Therefore, the universe itself had a designer. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Just look. I spend a lot of time outside now in my prayer closet. I like to be outside looking at him. I like to look at what he's created and see him for who he is. Part of the design is what we call the anthropic principle or fine-tuning. 
it's a deep fine tuning of how certain principles are fine tuned in our universe. So what is the principle? The universe is fine tuned to support life on earth. So this one is from Jay Wallace about the uh, one of the ones I have from Jay Wallace on the fine tuning of the universe. The fact that the universe is fine-tuned in such a way that carbon-based life emerges is, for the most part, non-controversial. I mean, people on both sides of this um, wonder why it could be so. Uh, people who are not believers in God also recognize the appearance, at least, of fine-tuning in the universe. The idea that the cosmological constants of things like weak nuclear force and strong nuclear force and electromagnetism, all of these things are, are so finely tuned to a razor's edge that there's a slight variation. The universe itself would not be able to sustain any kind of life, and yet it does. And, and so both sides are kind of looking for an explanation. Of course, from my perspective as somebody who believes in the existence of God, I think this is another evidence for God's existence because it seems that the universe does not need to be this way. It's not uh, this way because it has to be based on physical law. And, and theorists have actually said that there are a number of ways the universe could have been uh, shaped, the way the laws could have been shaped. But in fact, they're shaped in this way, so finely tuned with just the right ingredients in the universe and just the right forces of, of laws in the universe that carbon-based life has the opportunity to emerge. Now the question is, how do we explain it? One way, of course, to explain it is to say, well, no, this is the fine-tuning of a fine-tuner. That the best way and the most reasonable explanation is that there's a God behind the fine-tuning. But of course, there's other ways to try to explain this. I, I've seen some folks, for example, try to explain it by way of a multiverse theory. Look, if there are an infinite number of universes that are they emerge from some quantum environment well then you would expect that one of them would have the fine tuning that we see in ours it wouldn't really be surprising at all if you have an infinite number of slight variations one's going to look like ours of course the problem with that is that if you've got an infinite number of universes and some small percentages like ours well a small percentage of an infinite it means we have an infinite number of universes like ours it becomes a bit preposterous and in fact one astrophysicist said that if this is true and there is a multiverse, then there are so many universes that some are going to be just like ours. As a matter of fact, if the multiverse theory is true, there is a universe in which Elvis is still alive. Well, that's a very provocative idea. And I think for me, it gets a certain level of silliness. But another complaint or another uh, um, um, explanation for this that I've heard offered is, well, look, Jim, come on, like, duh. If you happen to live in a universe in which you can make observations, well, then, then, then this is not a matter of a finely tuned universe for you. You just happen to live in the universe, so don't be surprised that it happens to be tuned in such a way that you could live in the universe. If it wasn't so, you wouldn't be here to talk about it. So it's not a matter of the universe being finely tuned for you. You actually just happen to exist in a, in a universe of this nature. I think in some ways this idea that it's just an observational phenomenon, that we just happen to be observing a universe that is as it is because we emerged in this universe to observe it, doesn't really explain, though, the fine-tuning. I've been at crime scenes in which the scene has been tampered with by an outside killer who tampered with the scene to kill the people who were in the scene. For example, in the one I'm talking about, it was a gas leak that he manufactured in order to kill two people. Now, I could have walked in and said, well, I shouldn't be surprised that there's a gas leak here with dead people and places where there are dead people who die from gas, of course you're going to find a gas leak. That doesn't explain, though, why the gas is leaking. Why the gas, why the situation was as it is. 
it still provokes me to have to ask the question, well, what, what would have caused this situation to be so? And I think no matter how we look at this universe in which we live, we owe it to ourselves to ask the question, why is the universe as it is? How did it get to be tuned such as it is? And if there are many options, many uh, different possibilities, why is it that this is the one that actually produces a universe that supports people like you and me? So exactly why, and so we go through the anthropo, the constant. Oxygen level has to be at 21% to support life itself. If it's a little lower, then you're going to see a lot of fires, and you know it's that oxygen level must be at that percentage. We have atmospheric transparency. The moon gravitational interaction. If it's greater, we're going to have a big tidal effect. If it's less, we're going to have climactic instabilities. Carbon dioxide level. If it's greater, we'd all burn up. If it's any less, then we'd all suffocate. Gravity. In fact, this is one of my favorite things to do, so excuse me for going off camera. I'd like to do a little demonstration. What is this? No, that is the effect of gravity. That is the effect of something we can't see. It's the same as love. We can't see love, but we feel love. That's gra that is the effect of gravity. We can't see gravity, but we can see its effects. And if gravity was altered by 0 0.37 zeros, 1%, our sun wouldn't even exist. The sun would not exist. So that's a big number. <laughs> and I have another video from Jay talking about some of these um, just fine-tuning, how finely tuned our universe is. I want to show you how incredibly rare and how incredibly fine-tuned each constant is. I'll give you a couple of illustrations to, to illustrate this for you. Imagine that we were to take our North American continent and we were to stack so that there is not a single square inch anywhere on the continent that does not have a dime on it. In other words, we're going to get all kinds of dimes out and we're going to put them all over the entire North American continent so that every dime is touching every other dime and there's no spaces in between. Could you imagine how many dimes we're talking about? A lot of dimes. Now let's imagine that we begin stacking on each of those dimes and we stack the dimes all the way, covering the entire North American continent, all the way to the moon. Okay? Sound good so far? It's not enough. Let's increase that by one billion times more. Now, you're getting an idea of how many dimes we have. That's a lot of dimes. Agreed? Now, imagine I was to blindfold you and tell you that there is one red dime in that stack. All I need you to do is to pick it. 
what are the odds that you would pick the one red dime? Well, these are the odds in numerical, this one in a 10 to the 37th chance. That is the same level of precision that is involved in the, um, the strong nuclear force that holds together. If you're off by just a, a dime in either direction, we don't get a universe that supports life. If you're off by a dime in either direction, do you see how finely tuned this force is? Let me put it another way. What if I said all you have to do is to get a 22 rifle and hit this bullseye? Now, the bullseye is one inch wide, and you, all you have to do is hit it. And I said, okay, that doesn't seem too hard, right? A lot of you are good shots here. You could probably hit that bullseye from wherever you are in the room. How many of you think no, no matter where you are in the room, you could hit that bullseye? Raise your hand. That's a lot of good shots. I'm going to get out of your way. <laughs> But what if I told you that the bullseye was actually at the opposite end of the observable universe? One inch wide, opposite end of the observable universe. Now, if you hit it, this is pretty wild. As a matter of fact, the odds are not great. It's a one in 10 to the 60th chance. And that is exactly what the calibration is of the mass density of the universe. One inch off the target in either direction, and you don't have a universe like ours. Do you see how finely tuned this, this constant is? This is why a, a, theorist, a, a, a theoretical physicist you might know from television says it this way. It's shocking to find out how many of our familiar constants of the universe lie within a very narrow band that makes life possible. If a single one of these accidents, he calls them accidents, did you see what he calls them? If a single one of these accidents were altered, stars would never form, the universe would fly apart, DNA would not exist, life as we know it would be impossible, Earth would flip over and freeze, and so on. He's being serious. And he believes that this level of fine-tuning is purely an accident. Is our, is our universe designed? Design comes from the mind of a designer. It's fine-tuned. It has anthropoc anthropoc constants. Anthropic constants. So, we're going to go into morality. <laughs> The view of morality is a religious one. That is literally the definition because for atheists, the way they see morality is chaos. That is it. It is chaos. Um, there's the real moral obligation is a fact. Either the atheistic view is correct or the religious one is. And I hate to use the word religious. I really do. But that's the only way I had to kind of use it for this. But the atheistic one is incompatible with there being a moral obligation. Therefore, the religious view of reality is correct. I actually saw and I've heard many times where atheists would say, you know, or try to take that moral or talk about morality. 
what their view is atheistic. So why, you know, they're stepping into the Christian view, not even knowing it. They're stepping into that view. You know, God said he touches us and he's with, he touches everyone every day. He's there with us every day, whether for atheist or not, it doesn't matter. For we follow God, He's with us, so He's there. And here is another one talking about the moral argument. Secondly, the moral argument. Here's a simple moral argument for God's existence. Premise one, if God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. Two, objective moral values and duties do exist. Three, therefore, God exists. What makes this little argument so powerful is not only that it's logically ironclad, but also that people generally believe both premises. In fact, Dawkins himself seems to be committed to the truth of both premises. With respect to premise one, that if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist, Dawkins informs us, and I quote, there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. We are machines for propagating DNA. It is every living object's sole reason for being." End quote. But although he says that there is no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference, the fact is that Richard Dawkins is a stubborn moralist. He vigorously condemns such actions as the harassment and abuse of homosexuals, the religious indoctrination of children, the Incan practice of human sacrifice, and prizing cultural diversity over the interests of Amish children. He even goes so far as to offer his own amended Ten Commandments for guiding moral behavior, all the while marvelously oblivious to the contradiction with his ethical subjectivism. Thus, affirming both premises of the moral argument, Dawkins is, on pain of irrationality, committed to the argument's conclusion, namely, that God exists. What does it truly mean to be a good person? What's right and what's wrong? You know, is it correct? Correct's based in truth. Know you the truth and it shall make you free. Incorrect, it's not based in truth. Moral or immoral. You know, you talk about some of the most heinous crimes. Um, some of the stuff that they will come up with against morality is why does God let evil exist? And I had to talk with David even this morning. It's, it's very, very, very simple. Will. Our own free will. Our own free will. So. Does the picture of the world presented by atheism 
accord with moral obligation? No. As atheists continue to tell us that we are products of chance and matter. The transcendental argument. So what is it? God is the source of logic and morals. God is a necessary precondition for logic and morality because these are immaterial yet real universals. People depend on logic and morality. Therefore, God exists. If he didn't, we could not rely on logic, reason, morality, or anything else. And I believe this one is from Frank Turek. Yes. Do you believe the laws of logic exist? Well, okay, not without humans to describe them. Okay, let me so, ask you this then. Yeah, yeah. You're saying the laws of logic are just human constructions. Correct. Well, okay, two things. One, there is a reality that really exists, mm -hmm. so we can measure the, the angle here. You know, to, to a bat's brain, or, you know, it may look different mm -hmm. than, than on my brain, but there really is a table. Right. Uh, and it really exists. Even if I can't ever know what it's like to be a bat and, and know what it feels like to experience a table through, through echolocation rather than touch or sight. Uh, but still, that really exists. So the, the laws of nature that we describe and interpret with mathematics and words, um, those are human constructions. There's no, like, second law of thermodynamics or, or a, a Newtonian equation in a star. A star is just doing what stars do. When they get a certain pressure and temperature, they convert hydrogen into helium. All right, let me, let, me, let me just ask yep. you this. You're yep. saying they're human constructions then. So let me ask you this. Before there were any human beings on the earth, was the statement there are no human beings on the earth true? <laughs> yes. Okay, well then how could the laws of logic just be human constructions then? <laughs> well, but we're, we're asking that today. Regardless of when if, we're if asking. If there's no humans, there's no one asking the question. But it was still true prior to that. How, how could you and I even communicate if you had your own idea of the laws of logic and I had my own idea? How could we even communicate well, unless we're... We, because there is a reality and we share a common neuroanatomy to describe it in ways that are similar. So this gets at the problem of other minds. Mm -hmm. How do I know your red looks like my red? Okay, these head scratchers that you get in philosophy 101. Uh, how do I know that you're not all a bunch of zombies and I'm the only one with the lights on? <laughs> okay. My answer to this is the Copernican principle, which says we're not special. You know, the, this, the Earth is not the center of the universe. You know, the, we go around the sun with all the other planets. We're not special. We're just in a little corner of the Milky Way galaxy, one of 100 billion galaxies. We're not special. So the chances of me being the super special one human that's conscious and self-aware, and the rest of you are zombies walking around, and you only look like you're and, and pretending to be conscious is very low. So that, that's how. Right, but it, you're still not answering how these laws exist because they exist even if human beings don't exist. Mm -hmm. The laws exist no. in the mind of God. Okay. Otherwise, you and I couldn't even communicate. So, to sum it up, God, to sum it up, God is the source of logic, reason, and morality. And I like to say the, everything else. So the ontological argument, this is the one argument that is very, very philosophical. 
it's been around for hundreds of years. And what is it? It is an intensely philosophical proof of God's existence. It is greater, so what is the argument? It is greater for a thing to exist in the mind and in reality than in the mind alone. God means that than which a greater cannot be thought. Then a greater than God can be thought. Then a greater than God could be thought. I have a video that explains it all, literally. <laughs> but this is impossible for God is that than which a greater cannot be thought. Therefore, God exists in the mind and in reality. And like I said, this video will explain the philosophical argument to a T. In the year 1078, a monk named Anselm of Canterbury astonished the world by arguing that if it is even possible that God exists, then it follows logically that God does exist. Anselm's argument came to be called the ontological argument, and it has sharply divided philosophers ever since. The 19th century German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer called it a charming joke, but many prominent 20th century philosophers, such as Charles Hartshorn, Norman Malcolm, and Alvin Plantinga, think that it's sound. Here it is. God can be defined as a maximally great being. If something were greater than God, then that being would be God. And in order to be maximally great, a maximally great being would have to be all-powerful, all-knowing, and morally perfect in every possible world. Possible worlds are simply ways the world could have been. To say that something exists in a possible world is just to say that if the world were that way, then the thing would have existed. For example, even though unicorns don't exist in the actual world, it seems at least possible that they could have. So we can say that unicorns exist in some possible world. On the other hand, a married bachelor does not exist in any possible world because the idea of a married bachelor is logically incoherent. It could not possibly exist. So if it is possible that a maximally great being exists, then we can say that he exists in some possible world. But wait, a maximally great being would not really be maximally great if it existed in only some possible worlds. To be maximally great, it has to be all-powerful, all-knowing, and morally perfect in every possible world. So think about it. If a maximally great being exists in any possible world, then it exists in every possible world. And if it exists in every possible world, then it exists in the actual world. That is, a maximally great being actually exists. Thus, the atheist has to maintain not simply that God does not exist, but that it is impossible that God exists. Here's a summary of the ontological argument. Steps two through six are straightforward and largely uncontroversial. But what about point number one? 
Clearly, if it can be shown that the idea of a god is logically incoherent, then the argument fails. But is the idea of a maximally great being absurd? Like a married bachelor, or a square circle, or the smell of blue? This doesn't seem to be the case. The notion of an all-powerful, all-knowing, morally perfect being that exists in every possible world seems to be a perfectly coherent idea. But couldn't we parody this argument and make it work for anything? Why not say, it's logically possible that a maximally great pizza exists. Therefore, a maximally great pizza does exist. However, the idea of a maximally great pizza is not like the idea of a maximally great being. In the first place, there aren't intrinsic maximal values that make pizzas great. There could always be one more pepperoni to increase its greatness. It's not even obvious what properties make a pizza great. Thin crust or thick crust, extra cheese, anchovies? It's relative to the taste of the consumer. In the second place, a maximally great pizza would have to exist in every logical possible world. But that would mean that it couldn't be eaten. So it wouldn't really be a pizza, because a pizza is something you can eat. The idea of a maximally great pizza turns out not to be a coherent idea. The idea of God, on the other hand, is an intuitively coherent idea. Therefore, his existence is a possibility. And the ontological argument shows that if God possibly exists, then God actually exists. So, God exists in mind and in reality. Now we circle back to the verse that we started with. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Before you even try to do the second part, you have to make sure that Jesus is sanctified in your heart so that any argument will not sway you, no matter what. That is the most important part that I learned a long time ago. So, if there's anyone out there that has not come to Jesus, that you don't, you have not come to the Lord, then now is your time. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he only gave his begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I've always loved 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him it might be saved. For all have sinned and come short the glory of God. And we are saved by grace through faith. It is a free gift of God. So, everyone here, I'd like to just a small prayer. And anyone online, if you have not received Jesus, now is your time. You know, Heavenly Father... I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. 
I believe that your only son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross at Calvary and died for my sins. Right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord with my heart. I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. At this very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. So, just to show you quick sources, and if anyone wants the sources, you can just reach out to me or Pastor Stan. Uh, but these are the sources that I went through. Five pages of sources. Yes, sir. And please, like, share, and subscribe. Well, good morning. Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. So happy to have you join us today. Those are that are physically here with us in our building here today in Plano, Texas, and also those that are watching online. We really are happy that you're joining us. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Everybody ate too much. Hopefully you had a nap. I didn't, but I hope, I hope some of you did. I know you men enjoyed it. If it's anything like at my house, right? But it was great. It was a good time with family and everything, and we had a wonderful time. So I just want to go over a few announcements, and then we're going to hand them out. Uh, just a reminder, we have the men's gathering on December the 11th. If you have not signed up, soon he'll have it here in her hands. If you haven't signed up, if you want to come to the shotgun range, Garland Shotgun Range, then make sure you sign up. Uh, we have a flyer for it, which um, Scarlett has here. And also, the women's uh, party will be December the 11th at my house, also that day. So we want to make sure you sign up if you'd like to come. And we can just pass it around, Sunhee, that's fine. And then we can... So let me ask you, so are some of you ladies, if you don't have a flyer... We've got some here, and then we have some for the men's. Okay. Thank you, Scarlett. Yeah, very true. Okay, so a couple of announcements on for December. The Bible study will we will have Bible study on December the third and the tenth and the seventeenth. Uh, it is canceled on December the 24th and the 31st. So when you get your flyer, put that up so that those of you that come to Bible study will remember. And it'll start back up. Excuse me, my hair in my mouth. It'll start back up on January the 7th. And then I just talked about the women's Christmas party, the men's gathering. Notice I didn't say y'all were having a party. Y'all happy? You're going to have a male bonding get together. There we go. Uh, for those of you men that are coming, make sure you bring either a check or cash. They do not accept credit cards or debit cards. Hmm? We'll give you a flyer. Uh, Beth, you can hand those out to some of the men and women if they don't have one. Sunday, December the 19th is our Christmas program. It's one service only at 1030. Please arrive at 10. And uh, go ahead and come up here, Melissa, if you would talk about your intercessory training on this Thursday. If you have not signed up and let us know that you're part of us, we want your email address so that you can get the, all the, go ahead and grab a microphone. Can you help her stand? We want to make sure that you um, sign up with your email 
um, so that we can you can contact at Spirit of Prophecy Church. Let us know, and that way you can let your, let us know what your prayer requests are. All right, come on over here closer to me in the center. I'll let you explain about the intercessory prayer on Tuesday. I have a dream for this church, and this is a church that prays. This is a powerful group of people, and we are going to reach the throne of God. And I just really highly encourage everyone to participate. Um, I know it's not always easy to jump in and, you know, change your schedule up, but it is going to be so, so worth it. So uh, December 2nd, just uh, we have a sign-up sheet in the front. Okay. And it's this Thursday at 7 p.m., about 7 to 8.30 p.m. Um, and you can go ahead and hand these flyers to Beth. Beth, can you hand these flyers out to everybody? This is the lady in the green shirt. Um, okay, so fellowship dinner is on January the 23rd after church. You know that January is the best chili in the world. comes right from right here at Spirit of Prophecy Church. Leslie is already in competition saying hers. Subliminal message, I think, Leslie. So we have a, a chili contest every January. Annie can't participate. She's not here, so we can ban her. Um, but I'm teasing. But that'll be January the 23rd after church. So you want to sign up to make the best chili in the world. And there are trophies that are given. They're wonderful. I bling them up so they're even better. They're, they're awesome. Now... For those of you that are here, it'll be on the round table, and it'll look like this. Just sign up your name and let me know <laughs> that you want to be, participate in the chili contest. Aislin, can you hold this for me? By the way, these are my two grandchildren. My granddaughters, aren't they beautiful? <laughs> One with pink hair. <laughs> this is Aislin. This is Scarlett. And this is a great friend. This is Genesis. So aren't they great helpers? And they're pretty. And, okay. Now, you hold this. Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. I know you have a lot there, don't you? Oh, here. You do. You have a lot more. Um, we may need some help up here by you. Um, so you should receive, who has the flyers for the intercessory? Who has those? Melissa? Go ahead and we can just pass those out. All right, you can go ahead and take those. Can you give those to Carolyn for me? Sorry, it's the end of the month, first of the month, so we always have a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff to go to. All right, so now an exciting, exciting news for me at least is that we're having a School of the Prophets, Train the Prophets uh, conference, and that's going to be February the, the 19th through the 22nd, 2022. Uh, you'll get, if you come, you'll get a certificate for at least 24 hours of continuing education, and that will be on 2-22-22. So if anybody knows about me and the prophetic acts and how important that number is, you'll want to come. Anyway, that's going to be on February the 19th through February the 22nd. You can go to Prophecy Club website and sign up. You can go to Train the Prophets and sign up. And by the way, I encourage you to go to Train the Prophets since I'm here talking about it. And 
uh, make sure you you know you share and you like and you also subscribe to Train the Profits. I have a YouTube channel now, and it's I've uh, been getting some positive reviews about it from people. They really like the teachings that's coming from it, and I, I need some more subscribers. So go to traintheprofits.com and sign up, and also or subscribe to it. Click on share and like and subscribe, and also there's a button there you can donate if you are so led. All right. A new one comes up every Wednesday, a new teaching every Wednesday. That's when we, we release it. Okay, so this, this is what I'm doing. I'm inviting all apostles and prophets to this training. And if you believe you have a prophet calling on your life, then this School of the Prophets is for you. Uh, the difference is from the School of the Prophets versus the School of Prophets at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. People are going to ask that. Because if you've gone to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, you might think, well, I've already gone through the School of Prophets. No, that was just an overview. That was just an introduction. There was, that, was not, that was not a crash course. So, uh, so that was not, um, you know, was not the School of the Prophets. But you will learn several different things at the training of the Prophets. You will learn how to lead someone to the Lord. You might say, I already know how to do that. Well, that's great. Then you could be an example to help others. Also, if you, you'll learn how to lead someone to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, you'll also learn what are your weak areas, your strength areas. And I've got to turn the page over. Oh, that'd be perfect. Hold that right there for me. Here. I'll trade you. Can you hold on to all of those? Okay. Um, you'll learn how to prophesy accurately. Uh, you'll learn how to give the word of knowledge and wisdom. You'll learn how to get the anointing for healing, how to do deliverance, how to teach a message from the pulpit, how to take up an offering, how to hear from the Lord, and then anointing transfer for dreams and visions. Plus, there's a lot more that I did not put on here. And you also will receive a level one certificate for the prophetic ministry. If you're going to be in the office of a prophet to have that certificate, you will, will have a level two and a level three within a year, and you will have to attend those all three, all three conferences to receive that prophet certificate. Um, also, I'll be doing, a, it's optional, but an anointing class or anointing oil class if you would like to sign up for that. So go to uh, prophecyclub.com. Let's don't fight out. Let's hold them. Better home. Uh, and also, uh, you can go to traintheprofits.com. Okay? All right, girls. Thank you. You can be seated. You can take all those down there with you and hand them to your Aunt Lala or your mom. Here, hold, hold this. Yeah, hand all that to her. Okay, you can take that with you. Y'all going down this way. Whoops, whoops, this way. There you go. Yeah. They're all coming to you, Leslie Ann. You can sort it all out. All right. Are there any praise reports? Okay, Michelle, come on up here. And where'd the microphone go? Stan, can you hand her the microphone? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, I just want to let y'all know about my parents. Um, they're both home now. Uh, Mom is on oxygen. She stayed in the hospital for about a week. They, they were diagnosed with COVID, for those that do not right. know. And um, so they both got the antibodies. They're doing good. I haven't seen them because they've kind of sequestered themselves in their house. But they do sound good on the phone. And so my parents are doing great. And I just want to thank everybody who prayed for my parents. Because it meant the world to me. And I know it meant the world to them. So thank you. All right. Well, praise God. Any other praise reports? Yes, Tony. 
Can you hand me the microphone, please? Real quick, uh, huh? Center, yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, just so you know, for Honduras, uh, there was a testimony that you know, like before they had all gone, a lot of people weren't attending the churches, and you know, because they were scared of the COVID. And now it's been, you know, after the meetings we had there, there's been a spike. And oh, a lot of people are going, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand. Let's get our service going this morning. <laughs> All right, let's just raise our hands and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come boldly before your throne of grace and mercy, and we thank you so much that we can come here to praise you, to worship you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We ask that everything be done decently and in order. And Lord, we thank you for bringing in more people that are like-minded to be a part of us. Lord, continue to bring them in, also online and also that are here physically. We give you praise and honor and glory for that. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone here that is just needing a touch from you, that today is their day to receive that touch. Lord, if they need a healing, if they just need an encouraging word, if they need... Um, uh, any like a like a healing in their bodies lord we just ask that you heal them right now in jesus name lord we ask for guidance we ask that you just be here to to guide and direct everything that we say and do that be pleasing to you today and lord i ask that as our praise and worship goes up before you that it'll be pleasing to you pleasing to you in the name of jesus hallelujah Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that everything is done in your way, on your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give praise and honor to the glory and God to God. And now it's time for offering also. Here at this church, we bring our offerings to the storehouse. We have buckets here to the front. So you, you can come up to the front and just drop in your offering. If you're watching online, there's a, a donut, donate place there. Um, yeah, donut. <laughs> Maybe there's a donut place too, but right now we're talking about donate. Hey, do you know what Cheerios are? Anybody know what Cheerios are? It donut eggs. <laughs> Nobody laughs at my joke. Thank you, Sunny. You made it up. I, <laughs> I think it's great. Thank you. She never, you never laugh at that Lou, and so you know, Lou, did you laugh at my joke? <laughs> Anyway, there's a donate button. We appreciate your donations. Hallelujah. Hey, Pastor Stan. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come in and worship you. And Lord, we know that our giving to, to you is a form of worship. We ask you to receive these gifts. And also, Lord, I ask you to bless the people best back, pressing down, shaking together, and running over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You don't have a microphone. Go ahead. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these gifts, these tithes. Everything the Bible says that everything comes from you, from you, and it is all for your glory. Thank you for all these families here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. All right. Hallelujah. All right. I'll turn it over to the praise and worship. By the way, I'll just in, uh, introduce some people up here. This is Alicia. This is my daughter-in-law, and she's married to my son Bentley here, and they came from Ohio. So happy to have them. This is my other beautiful daughter-in-law. This is Rachel. She's married to Sean. Uh, Sean, you've seen probably around. Actually, he's always in the back doing uh, at the crusades and stuff. Turn me up, please. Doing the 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 tricasters and making everything happen, directing, and he's here in the back. And so we just welcome them, and they're from Kansas. And then she's their their daughter is um, Island that was up here with me earlier. Yeah, can you turn this up a little bit? <laughs> I was told to say something or have a prayer. Um, well, yes, my name is Bentley Johnson. I'm from uh, Akron, Ohio. Uh, of course, you met my lovely wife Felicia. Uh, so we're glad to be here. We'll just be visiting here for the uh, the holiday. So really glad to see all the friendly faces and familiar faces that I, I've seen with you guys at the conference. And so very glad to see everyone. Who's your mom and dad? <laughs> Who's your mama? <laughs> <laughs> Who is your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and with that, let's pray to worship. <laughs> let's pray together, hallelujah. You're the only answer to the darkness. You're the only right among the wrong. Hallelujah. You're the only hope among the chaos. You are the voice that calls me on. Louder than every lie. My sword in every fight. The truth will chase away the night your name is power over darkness freedom for the captives mercy for the broken and the hopeless your name is faithful in the battle glory in the struggle mighty he will let us down or fail us your name is power Your name is power. Hallelujah. I know it is written, hope is certain. I know that the word will never fail. And I know that in every situation, you speak the power to prevail louder than every lie my sword in every fight the truth will chase away the night your name is power over darkness freedom for the captive mercy for the broken and the hopeless your name is faithful in the battle glory in the struggle darkness light arrives in heaven opens holy spirit let us hear it 
When they speak, your church awakens. We believe that change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it. When you speak, you scatter darkness. Light arrives in heaven opens. Holy Spirit, let us hear it. When you speak, the church awakens. We believe the change is coming. Holy Spirit, let us see it. Come on, sing in your name. Your name is power over darkness. Freedom for the captives. Mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Your name is faithful in the battle. Glory in the struggle. Nighting, you won't let us down or fail us. Your name is power. Your name is power.
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, power in His name. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on,
worship you and we thank you for this time. We can give you the glory and worship you almighty name. You are worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Just keep that attitude of just worship in your hearts. No talking, please. Just be seated. Praise team, please step here just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just um, feel very impressed just to bring a message to those that are here and those that are listening online and those that will, will listen here in the future online to this message. This message that I know the Lord would want you to know. You know, the praise and worship that was just sung today, it was power. There's power in the name of Jesus. And some of you are really struggling, and you forgot about the power of his name. You are relying on others to lift you up. You're relying on others to give you a message. You're relying on others to support. You're relying on others that has the word of the Lord to you. When God is saying all the time, there's power in my name. Have you forgotten about the power in my name? He's the daily bread. He's the daily bread. Praise the Lord. He's the prince of peace. We've already had a message this morning from God through the praise and worship this morning. He's the prince of peace. There's power in his name. He's the daily bread. He's the air that we breathe. He's the very reason that we are here today. If you have breath, if you have a mind at all, you can call upon his name and believe in his word. Maybe some of you need to have the Bible playing 24 hours a day in your home for that you to be delivered. Maybe you need to have that word just given, that daily word just to be infiltrated inside of you, to come inside of you, to speak the word of the Lord to you by his word. <coughs> He's the daily bread. I want to encourage you, you don't have to go to a pope to have your prayers answered. You don't have to go to someone at the, at, that says they're going to pray for you and God will answer your prayer. You can go on your own and praise God. You can go to him and say, Lord, I need peace right now. And you pray till that peace comes. Just recently I had a moment of time, just recently, just within the last couple of days, where I had to have the peace come upon me. And I prayed and I prayed and I worshiped and I sang. And within 10 minutes, that peace came upon me. And I knew that the situation was a-okay. This is what you need to do. You're relying on others to lift you up. And God says that he will lift you up. He will hear your prayers. You go to the Father in the name of what? Jesus. There's no more greater powerful name than Jesus. You can even say Yeshua. There's no more powerful name than Jesus. You can say Messiah. There's no more powerful name than Jesus. That's the name that the devils tremble upon. It's time that you raise up from that bed. It's time that you lift up your head. It's time to take a deep breath. It's say, I still have breath. I'm going to praise the Lord no matter what my circumstances is. That's your hope. You want hope today? He is your hope. 
It's not about words that I can give you. It's not about a prophetic word that somebody can give you. It's about him. And if you don't have hope, if you don't have peace, then you need to get into his word on your own. You need to stand up and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you, worship you, and give him all the glory. Tell him how wonderful he is. How wonderful he is that you have breath. It's not even about asking for a healing. It's not even asking for a miracle. It's just praising him till that peace comes. I encourage you today. I encourage everyone that's listening to this and those that in the future that will listen to this. It's not about how righteous you are because you're not. It's not about how holy you are because you're not. It's not about how you're walking that straight and narrow path because you're not. We all are sinners. We all sin. And we have to ask forgiveness daily of our sins. And again, it's not going to someone else saying, forgive me of my sins. It's not going to a pope to say forgiveness of my sin. It's not going to a priest to say forgiveness of my sins. It's going to the Father in the name of Jesus and saying, forgive me of my sins today. Forgive me, Lord, for what I have done. And then give him praise. It's time that you become that spiritual warrior in your home. It's time that you rise up. And you take the sword of the Lord, the word of the God, that's your sword, and you begin to speak to those devils on your own and say, get out of my life, get out of my family's life. I'm going to serve the Lord all the days of my life. And then when I go to heaven, I'm going to be dancing before him. Hallelujah. That's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be praising him and adoring him and worshiping him throwing your crowns and dancing before God when you get to heaven. So you got to practice now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Someone take these children, please. In the name of Jesus, you call out for his peace till it comes. You become that warrior. You yourself and begin to praise him and worship him and tell him how much you love him. And let him do what he's going to do. It's up to him. Now I'll give you an encouraging word. And I will pray for you. For those that are down. Those that are despaired. In the name of Jesus. I just speak to your mind right now. To become the mind of Christ. To get your mind focused on the Lord. To begin to praise him and to worship him. Lord, I ask that you give them peace right now in Jesus' name. I ask that you heal their bodies. I ask in the name of Jesus for the miracles to come in. I ask, Lord, if they need daily bread, that you give it to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, if they have a great decision that they've got to make, I pray that you help them make that right and correct decision that will come from you. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'll give them wisdom that can only come from you. I thank you, Lord, that you're our Prince of Peace. Our daily bread, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your powerful name. And I thank you that we can call upon your name. And I just want to encourage you, I remind you of that powerful name. And I remind you about the powerful word of God. The King James Bible word of God. Don't get the other versions, please. Get the King James Bible. The other ones are perverted. You can write, I don't care. I might not answer anyway. But I'm just saying, you can, there's powerful, powerful words in the King James. That's the word of God. And I know from deliverance ministers, they say, the King James Bible, 
the devils flee. The others, they laugh at. But praise the Lord, he's here with you. He loves you. He wants to comfort you. He's the Prince of Peace. He sends the Holy Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to comfort you right now. Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus that as that peace comes upon them, that peace that's just going to flood over their head like warm butter, just melting all over them, all the way down. Lord, I just transfer your peace to them. I just transfer your peace to them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name and all those in agreement say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we have to learn how to tune in to God even when there's chaos around us. You know, I, I, I knew that there was a word of the Lord, and I had chaos a little bit around me, even this morning during praise and worship, some little children. But you know what? You get past that. You have to dig deep sometimes. You just get past it and begin to concentrate on him. And it doesn't take but a moment. It doesn't take but a moment. And he's there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, I ask for the anointing to come upon Stan right now in Jesus' name. I believe it's already here. I thank you for it. <laughs> I just saw an exclamation mark come down on your head. Hallelujah. Just anoint him, Lord, just with that exclamation mark this morning. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you give him the words to speak. I ask that you give him the wisdom to speak. I ask, Lord, that you guide and direct everything and that it would be pleasing to you, the word of the Lord that comes forth in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you for all those that are, that are putting this church together and, and the praise team and those that serve and those that do the sound and all, those that do <laughs> the PowerPoint, everything. Lord, it's all from you. Amen. And I thank you for it. I thank you for the people. Amen. I thank you for the people that watch. I thank you for those that donate. I thank you those that support. I thank you for our congregation. I ask that you do hear their prayers. Amen. And hear our prayer now for their anointing to come. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen. And Lord Jesus, this morning we say, Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof because thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne and the four beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing, honor, glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb and the four beasts said Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. And I say, Amen. You are worthy. Yes. Worthy is the Lamb, Lord. We know that wisdom and might are yours. You changeth the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding, and we want it this morning, Lord. Open our eyes and let us see, hear, know, and understand your word, that we would fulfill your word, that we would keep your word, that we would walk in pleasing in your sight, that we would all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Lord, we know that we live in a nation that has fallen so far from where they're supposed to be. But Lord, we ask that you would keep us on the straight and narrow path. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go there at. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life. And few there be that findeth, Lord, we want to be one of those that finds it. In Jesus' name, and the congregation said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, what he laid my heart this morning is to talk to us about other gods. Make certain that we are not following other gods. Oh, Stan, this is America. There's no one following other gods in this nation. <laughs> you mean there might be? Well, we've got to make certain that they're not doing it out there. But this morning, we've got to say, Lord, I don't want to even get close. I don't want to even get close to crossing over that line. I don't want to go after other gods. Amen. And I trust you're all listening and not on your cell phones. <laughs> Avoid other gods. Daniel 2.2 gives us the answer to a few of the names of the gods we want to be sure and avoid. The, command, the king then commanded the magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and Chaldeans for to show the king his dream, so they came and stood before the king. So this gives us three of the names of the gods we want to avoid. <laughs> Wait a minute. Magician, astrologer, sorcerers. Are those gods? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what is magician? Magician is ones that use evil spirits to control other people. Deceive people. To them... Spirits are everything. Spirits are everything. The astrologer, those are the ones that use heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, to control people, to deceive people, to them, corrupting people through the stars is number one. Worshiping the host of heaven. Number three, sorcerers. Okay, what's a sorcerer? This is one that uses the earth's sources, where that's where the word comes from, Sources to control, things like heroin, cocaine, things like that. To them, the sources, things that come from the earth are number one. Okay, so to one it's the evil spirits, to another it's the stars, to another it's the things that come from the, the earth. But anything to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? right? Yeah. We're not going to have anything to do with it. Amen. What about this Moloch and Baal? Okay, well, what is Moloch and Baal? Well, I'll explain in a second, but essentially it's worshiping money. <laughs> I'm glad we don't do that in America. <laughs> okay, Stan, you're getting a little closer. Step on toes okay. now, you know. That's okay. You remember Moses come down off of Mount Sinai. Had, I had Sinai had the two uh, sets of tablets and he had the Ten Commandments. And he looked down and he saw that they were praising the Lord. True, but not the Lord, Amen. the wrong Lord. They had taken off their earrings made of gold, and they had made themselves a golden calf. And they were worshiping the calf. And what was the name of that calf? Moloch and... Yes, I, these are open book tests, right? So the name of that calf was Moloch and Baal. Gives you two. By the way, the devil is fine that you call him a lot of different names. As long as you worship him, he's fine with that. 
Well, what is Moloch about? Well, it's the cow. Well, why would they worship a cow? Because that was their primary source of meat, that along with bread. So in a way, it was by worshiping the cow, they're saying, holy cow, give us... That didn't exactly come out right. But, holy cow, give us money. Give us wealth. Give us riches. Right? Give us... Give us, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we get in our prayer closet to our God, we have to be careful not to go. The prophet's filling in the words you're supposed to be saying. Well, amen is a good word, but that's not the fill in the blank word I was looking for. Okay, so the next thing is groves and trees. That's your environmentalist. They worship nature to them, the earth, and nature is number one. They believe that taking care of the earth is more important than you. Oh, no, they don't. Yes, they do, because those are the folks that think we, ha we should have a choice about whether we have that child or not. Oh, no, you have no choice. You have to take the... <laughs> have no choice. Wait a minute, I thought I had a choice. No, you don't have a choice. Wait a minute, do I have a choice or do I have a choice? Or do I have a choice when you want me to have a choice and I don't have a choice when you don't want me to have a choice? Right? In other words, what they're trying to do is control us. So let's go back over it. Magician controls people with spirits, the astrologer with stars, the sorcerers with things from the earth. Moloch and Baal want you to worship money, right? Worship whatever gives you money, and that might mean a job. I even have to watch, the, you know, ministry. I mean, lastly, sometimes I'll say, okay, you spend too much time in your office now, okay? Well, <laughs> I do that. Have to keep it in balance. Environmentalists, they worship the earth. All right, now let's go to some scriptures. For Isaiah 47, 12. Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, where thou, thou hast labored from thy youth. If so, thou shalt be able to profit. If so, thou be thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let thou, the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up and save thee from these things which are going to come upon you. In other words, God was saying, let's see how your gods are going to protect you from what I'm about to send upon you. And of course, they didn't. Behold, they should be a stubble. What's he talking about? When Jesus returns... When he, the eternity enters into time and the heaven rolls back like a scroll and he blows his glory. What's the name of it? Morning Star. Morning star. He goes. <sighs> I've talked about it a lot of times. It goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations, mountains on fire. The tares fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. As it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. We get our glorified body, our, our mantles, our crowns, our garments. To us, eternity, as it hits the earth, the earth glows. The sun's been out for 72 hours. And so literally, Jesus is now the light of the world. Amen. So when it says, they shall be a stubble, he's saying that all of those evil people, they may think that they are the best. They may be, maybe they do have the most of the money. Maybe they don't. I just saw a video this past week. God did a wonderful job explaining. He said 1%. He showed, he proved it. Actually went on to the... Uh, 
that Dow Jones stock showed who actually owned the companies. He showed that 1% of the people of the world own 99% of the wealth of the world. Let me say it again. 1% own and control 99%. Now, who do you suppose that 1% is? I believe, now I can't prove this next statement, but I, I believe it to be true. <clears throat> if you were to back up, probably before the days of the pyramids, probably shorter after, shortly after Cain killed Abel, somewhere in there the devil went to a group of people and said, I'll make you a deal. I'll see to it that you rule the world, that you have plenty of money, control. All you have to do is give me what I want. And they probably said, oh, that sounds good to me. What do I have to do? Well, I like pain. I like death. I like lots of blood. I want you to give it to me. And that started human sacrifice. And we're going to look at some scriptures on that in a second. Today, that same group of people and their descendants are still that 1% that are controlling and owning the world. And today, that is the source of most of the problems on the planet. Now, I, eventually, it all backs up to one source, and that's the devil. But in terms of religion, that is your Moloch and Baal worshippers. These people we're talking about here this morning. Now, let's go to Exodus 34.10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all the people. I will do marvels. This is God talking to the children of Israel. I'm going to do marvels before them. He says, But in order for me to do that, and if you'll skip down to verse 13, but you shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. So if we want to see God do marvels in our life, marvels in our country, one of the things we have to do is break down the other gods in our nation. Verse 14, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord God, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Leviticus 19, you shall not any, eat anything with blood, neither shall you use enchantment or observe times. Now, what's enchantment? I've seen people where they throw out chicken bones, and they look at the chicken bones, and they tell you what to do. What? Yeah. I've seen people sit in restaurants, and they flip out the tarot cards, and then they tell you what to do. Oh, it's, it's your fortune. Yeah. yeah, you're fortunate if you do not do that. <laughs> if you do not listen, that's how you're fortunate. Observe times. Well, what is observe times? Yeah, you got it. See, we know, don't we? So is there some of this in our nation? Yes. There is. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh. Oh, I wouldn't do that. For the dead, nor print any marks on you. I'm sorry, what was that word? Uh, no, no, we don't, we don't have any of that. We don't do that. What I'm saying is, if we do these things, and then we wonder why evil comes upon us, our business, our family, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren. We wonder why these evils, these problems. Have you ever seen someone, they just continue to make wrong decisions? It's like, it's like the devil's got them by the, mm, like the nap of the neck, mm, pushing their nose to make the wrong decision all the time. A lot of times, that's from the father, the father, the father, the father. Problems what they were doing. How can we expect to do well when we're not following God's laws? 
Regard not then the half-familiar spirits, neither seek after the wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. If a stranger so... Oh, we, we violate this. If a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not vex him. In other words, don't be mean to him. With a stranger that dwelleth with you shall be as you, as one born among you. That means whether he, even if he is a white man, the red man should expect it or to, should accept him, right? And what about us white guys? We're supposed to accept the other people too. We should be accepting one another. Aside, if they've chosen to live among us, we should be trying to accept them as best as we can. So all of this race, oh, you're a racist. It offends us greatly because we know we're not. Amen. I, I thought I heard one of those back of the room there. You shall do no unrighteousness and judgment, immature in weight or in measure, just balances or just weights. In other words, if they buy a pound, give them a pound. I like one of the things that a lot of the uh, companies in America do. If they say they put six ounces in that package, a lot of times if you actually measure it, it's like six and a half ounces. Because they don't want to get, that's a good thing. I think those kind of things help America to be blessed when we do that. But if we're cheating, nah, not so good. If you walk in my statutes, verse, let the prophet speak. Yeah, yeah, well, the point was made there. So yes, there's, it's, in other words, it's just saying, Keep your, be honest in your sales and your, your weights. That's all it's trying to say there. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, here's what I'm going to do for you. This is Leviticus 26. Same thing as, as uh, Deuteronomy 28. He's saying, if you do it my way, if you'll choose to do it my way. Okay, so the Moloch and Baal worshipers have already chosen to do it the devil's way. So if you choose my way, here's what I'm going to do for you. This is what the God of creation has said. I'm going to give you rain in due season. Is it a problem during the harvest if all of a sudden if you get a big rain? Yes. Big problem. On the other hand, if you don't get any rain when you just planted, is that a problem? Yes. Big problem. I'll give you rain in due season of the land. You shall yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach into the vintage, and the vintage shall reach into the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. In other words, you're going to have a lot when you plant. You're going to be having a big harvest. As you're harvesting, you're already having to harvest again. You're having to plant again. In other words, everything is going good. As you look back over America over the last hundred years, there's been a few times when it didn't go so good, but... For the most part, God has blessed this nation. Yes. He has blessed this nation far above any other nation out there. I'll give you peace in your land, verse 6. You shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. 7. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. True. True. Look at World War Two. Five of you should chase a hundred and a hundred of you should put 10,000 to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I, I've seen several and I've heard several stories of what went on in Afghanistan and Iraq. 
And there were so many stories where literally five of the American GIs would defeat a hundred of the Arabs, the Muslims. Five of the Christians defeat a hundred of the Muslims. Now, this just came off of HalTurnerRadioShow.com last night. Russia has sorted their entire nuclear submarine fleet. Now, do you know what that means? What does that mean? What does the word sorting mean? Sent out. In my 68 years here, I've never heard that Russia just sent out their entire submarine fleet. I've never heard that. Do you think that's a problem? Well, hopefully nothing comes of it. And I'm about to show you why I think nothing will come of it now. However, I think it's saying that America's in trouble. This would not be happening if we were walking right with the Lord. That's my point. The article goes on to say, one day after the United States told Russia, one day after the United States told Russia, just one day, all options are on the table for the U.S. in the event of Russia, should she move in and attack Ukraine. Russian nuclear submarines have been urgently sent out to sea. Against the background of rising tensions between Russia and NATO, all nuclear submarines of the Pacific, Pacific Fleet of the Russia Navy in a, state, in a state of combat readiness left their places of deployment and went out to alert on duty. Neither the Russian Defense Ministry nor the Russian Navy have released any official comments or details about any sudden deployment of Russian nuclear submarines to see. Now, why do they say that? See, normally, if this is a peaceful thing, they say, oh, by the way, we're doing a naval exercise, or we're doing a missile exercise. We're doing a test missile. They tell everybody what they're about to do before they do it. So when they send out the entire Russian (laughs) nuclear submarine fleet, and they don't tell us about it, bad. See what I'm saying? Bad. He goes on to say, several submarines deployed are Russia's boy class. At 29 miles an hour, it takes about 78 hours for the submarines to reach the U.S. mainland. But they don't have to reach the U.S. mainland. They can fire the missiles from Russia if they want to and hit us. But the closer they are, the less time it takes for them to hit, you see. Bear in mind that they can fire the missiles from any place. It goes on to say Russia seen, uh, seen the need to send out all their submarines. Now, this is the reason I don't think that it's about to come immediate. This is a prophecy from Leslie. April 15, 2002, she had uh, a dream from the Lord. And these are the seven points of the dream. There, Airfat would die in the hospital. Well, putting that out to all of our best supporters, putting that on the internet, was a very risky thing, April 15, 2002. But two years later, I believe it was 11, 11, 3.30 in the morning, Airfat died in the hospital, just like she was told. That verifies the rest of these. Next thing you're told is Palestinians will give, will be given a state, oil will be discovered in Israel. Wonder who will discover that? <laughs> Israel will strengthen the military. Israel and the U.S. will go against Islam. Probably going to be World War III. Then January 22 of 06, she called me and she said, "You better get your recorder. You're going to want to record this." She said she heard the audible voice of God say, these are the seven words, Omar ushers in Palestinian state. We have not seen that. 
catastrophe hits America, we have not seen that. None of these. One of America's greatest times of need, Israel refuses help to America, Israel is attacked, America sends troops, chaos reigns as Americans protest help to Israel. Then she heard my voice quoting Dmitry Dudeman saying the fall of America will start with an internal revolution. If not for that page, if not for those prophecies, this young man would be screaming bloody murder from the top of his mouth saying the Russians, the Russians, the Russians are about to attack. Because without these, that prophecy given to Dmitry Dudeman, the fall of America will start with an internal revolution started by the communists. Some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government will be busy with internal problems. Then from the oceans, Russia, Cuba, Nicaragua, Central America, Mexico, and two of the countries will attack and defeat America in one day and one hour, so great riches will come to naught. Without these prophecies, it would be probably time for that to happen. So we have been given additional time. Now, Henry Groover, <clears throat> to tie this together, said, this is back in, uh, well, December 14th, 1986. He was out walking and praying. That's what he does, gets maps systematically, walks up and down every street in the city, praying loud, praying in the spirit, pulling down strongholds, loosing angels, do warfare. He said, went up on top of the Eagle Tower at the Carnarvon Castle. That's a picture of it. And while he was up there, he said, all of a sudden I was lifted above the earth. I was looking down on the earth like a globe and I saw massive amounts of all kinds of ships and airplanes coming out of this outlet up above Norway and headed down between the United States and Europe, literally covering the whole Atlantic. I looked over in the globe of the United States and I saw coming out these, of the United States these radio communication towers. Now, in 1986, there were no cell phones or cell phone towers. Now later, he identifies, oh, those towers were cell towers. He said, I saw radio communications come out, jagged lines show that these communications were going out, and all of a sudden, they began to sprinkle down the earth like dust. I thought, oh no, oh no, they're, they're not getting through, they're not getting through, they don't know what is happening, they're totally oblivious. Then, I began to see submarines emerging from under the surface. I was surprised at how close they were to a border. It was almost like they were sitting on our beaches, he said. Then I saw missiles come out that hit eastern and western coastal cities of the United States. I cried out and said, oh God, oh God, when will this be and what will be the sign of his coming? I heard an audible voice say, when Russia opens her doors and lets the free world, lets the masses go, and the free world will occupy themselves with transporting, housing, feeding, and caring for the masses. And will let down their weapons and cry peace and safety. Then sudden destruction will come. Now, I say that to say this has not arrived yet. So that's the good news. It's not arrived yet. However, time to pray. It's also uh, time to make certain why they're not doing some of these things that are covered today. Let's go to Judges 2.11. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam. That's the cow god. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, verse 13, and they served Baal and Ashtaroth, verse 14. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and delivered them in the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not no longer stand before their enemies. Do you think that that's a sign of God when Russia sends out all of her nuclear submarines? See, if we were righteous before God, it wouldn't happen. Absolutely would not happen. First of all, if we were clean enough, they wouldn't have the submarines. If they had the submarines, their missiles would just flop in the ocean. But right now, I play racquetball with a Russian buddy of mine. He said, stop, 
He says, because we were talking about Happy Thanksgiving. So, do you really like living in America? Son, you don't understand. I was raised in Russia. He said, you go to the cabinet. Nothing. Nothing in the cabinet. He said, maybe we get one little piece of bread and a little small glass of milk. That's all I get all day long. You ask me if I love America? Yes, I love America. He said, but you better know their military is more powerful than America's. Should not happen if we're walking with the Lord right Right? Whithersoever they go, God, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. Why? Because they were worshiping other gods. So we've got to make certain we are not worshiping other gods. Amen. Children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They worshiped Balaam in the groves. <laughs> what are the groves? What, 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 what's the groves? So the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and sold them into the hand of their enemies. In those days, it wasn't the Russians. It was, Close enough, right? <laughs> the Lord raised up, delivered to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othaniel. So God raised up one among them to deliver them. Now, I know a lot of people are saying DJT is that guy. I don't know if he is, but I do ask the Lord to send us a deliverer. Of course, we know that Jesus is the ultimate deliverer, but hopefully we would have someone that delivers us from this evil like so we could have an additional 40 years. Children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. What did they do? Well, the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king, so he raised up another one. What did they do? They sinned against the Lord. Then Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. And he says, uh, here's what I want you to go do so that I can deliver Israel. I want you to go throw down the, ball, the altar of Baal, that's the cow god, that the father hath cut down the grove that is beside it. Okay, what's this thing about grow? Why does it keep saying, we understand about ball, what's the grow? Is that environmentalism? Well, you could kind of say. So then he burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Gideon took of them ten men's servants, as the Lord had said unto them, and so it was, because he feared the father's household, the men of the city could not do it by day, so they did it by night. So that's how strong ball was, and that the, the prophets of the groves, because they couldn't do it during the day, because they would stop them. Went on to say, after the altar of Baal was cut down and the grove was cut down, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Yeah, we'll bring your son out because he's going to die. So Gideon comes out and says, look, at if he's God, let him protect himself. So they didn't do anything to him. What happened? Well, three companies blew the trumpets, break the pitchers, you know the story, and held the lamps in the left hands, the trumpets in the right hand, to blow with all, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And as a result, God caused the Midianites to turn and start fighting in the Midianites. They started fighting each other and killed them all as a result of it. 300 men delivered Israel. Why? Because they cut down the groves and they destroyed the altar of the cow god, or the golden god. Here's another example, Jehu. Jehu gathered all the people together and says, Okay, Arab has, uh, Ahab has served Baal a little, but boy, watch Jehu. Jehu is going to serve Baal even more. So I want you to call a big solemn assembly. I'm going to get to the point here. Big solemn assembly under Baal. I want all the Baal worshipers to come together. So verse 21 says all the worshipers of Baal all came together. So he then raised up, I believe it was 80. You can read it, four score. 
verse 24, somewhere in there. Four score men, and they killed every one of them. A great deliverance. They killed the Baal worshipers. Throughout the Bible, there's only one thing. When Moses saw them worshiping Moloch and Baal, he gathered the people that were behind Moses. And he said, why don't you take your swords and go into the tent and slay every one of the people that worshiped Moloch. Throughout the Bible, there's never a time where any of the Moloch and Baal worshipers ever repent and serve the God of Israel. Never. The only, the only thing the Bible says, get rid of them. So anyway, they brought out the images out of Baal and burned them. Break down the image of Baal and they break down half Baal and Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Here's another example. Jehoiada made a covenant with God. So this is the king. He says, look at, look at, we, we've fallen far away. This is what we need to have happen in America. So they had a king stand up and say, look, let's make a covenant with God. Let's get back to God. Let's make a covenant. We're going to start following his laws. So verse 18, all of the people went into the house of Baal and break it down, his altars, his images, and they break all the pieces thoroughly. Then they slew Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. All the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet. See, that's what America needs. But it's, it's more than just America. These Moloch and Baal worshipers, these are the people that own and control our media, our music, our movies, our schools, our education, our businesses. They control it all. They control, they really do. They control it all. So consequently, we can't clean up our nation until something is done. In my opinion, I don't think flesh and blood can fix it. I think God can use flesh and blood to fix it, but it's got to be God to do it. So that's what we've got to do is God will clean up our land. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways and turn from the wicked ways and turn from the wicked ways, hear that part and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. That's what America needs. So here's another king. Now Ahaz, only 20 years old, and he did that was not right in the sight of the Lord. What did he do? He caused his son to pass through the fire. Verse 3. Now, what is that? Is that where they put a couple of candles and makes his son walk past the candle? Is that passing through the fire? Oh, oh, that's where they just lay out some coals and they make them walk on the coals. No, what did they do? So they made the cow god, and they put a fire in the cow god, and they put the hands out like this. When the hands were white hot, they would take their newborn babies, and they would lay it up on the white hot hands and cook their little newborn babies. And the priests of Baal pounded on big drums so that they could not hear the screaming cries of their children. That's what the devil believes in. He wants to kill you. He wants to sacrifice you any way he possibly can. The louder the screams, the more he likes it. The more innocent a person, the more he likes it, which is why there's so much abortion, because the most innocent would be the one that's not born yet, right? <clears throat> Made his son to pass through the fire. He sacrificed, burnt incense to the high places on the hills. <laughs> Here's this thing about groves again. Under every green tree, what's going on there? Why is it that he's talking about it's so bad to make your son pass through a fire. And then he starts talking about the groves again. Why is it that Baal, the cow god, and the groves or the trees are all associated? What, what, what's the deal there? 
For it was that the children of Israel sinned against the Lord again. Well, duh. <laughs> and feared other gods. Walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. They set up images and groves in every high hill. What? Set up images and groves. What's this deal with groves? Anybody got that figured out yet? Groves in every high hill under every green tree. So he burned incense to all the high places and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. And they served idols. Ye shall not do this thing. They sinned again. What happened? And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made a molten image, even two cows and a grove. Do you notice that the cow God and the groves are almost... Yes, yeah, synonymous, that's the word I was looking for, synonymous. They, they like the cow God and the groves. Oh, there's the host of heaven. What's the host of heaven? Well, that's the astrologers. Remember? We started with that, remember? And they served balls. So we got the cow God, we got people that worship the stars, and then we got people that worship the trees. Oh, well, that's the environmentalist, yes, but wait a minute, maybe there's more. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire and use divination and enchantments. Sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. Now, what do you think that means, remove them out of his sight? God wouldn't kill his people. Yeah. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, it came to pass in the third year, the Hoshel. Okay, now he's, he's a good guy. Verse 3 says, he did that was right in the sight of the world. Well, great. What did he do that was right? Because all the rest of them mess up. Well, he removed the high places. Now, what's this with the high places? Well, see, what they would do is go up in the high place in the area, and they would plant their groves, and they'd also put up their statue or their, their cow god or Ashtaroth, whatever their god is, because they're trying to get closer to God and they could see their god, that high place. Yeah, that's our god. By the way, have you ever looked to see what's on the Capitol in Washington, D.C.? So he removed the high prices, break down the images, and cut down the groves. There's those groves again. What's the deal with those groves? Lord said to him, he prospered with us wherever he went forth. Okay, so he did. That was right. He pulled down the high places, the images, the groves, and he got prospered. For he built up the high, now then this is the next king. Then he built up high places, reared up the altars of Baal, made a grove, worshipped all the hosts of heaven. There's your, your astrology again. And made his son to pass through the fire. Do you see a similar, by the way, I found like 330 verses. No, I'm not going to cover all 330, but I think you're getting the idea, right? Son to pass through the fire, observed time, enchantments, dealt with familiar spirits. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house. He set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house. Wait a minute, what's it, what's it talking about? Wait a minute, we don't have any images like that in our homes, do we? Surely we wouldn't cut down a grove out of the uh, out of the tree out of the grove and bring it to our house. You know, some churches actually have those in their churches. The king sent and gathered them all the elders. Okay, let me see. The king stood at the altar. He made a covenant before all the people to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statutes, with all their heart and soul, to perform the words of his covenant that were written in his book. And all the people stood to the covenant. So the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the second order, 
keepers of the door to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were of Baal. What? They had idols in the church. That's the way we would say it today. That was in the temple. They had Baal in the temple. That would be like us having a ball or Christmas tree in our church. Bring forth the temple Lord of the vessels. Wait a minute, Stan. Are you, you, are you beating up on Christmas here? I'm, I'm preaching the word. You know, this is what the word says. Bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels were made for Baal, all of the grove, hosts of heaven, and burn them without Jerusalem. Burn incense under the Baal, sun, moon, the planets, all the hosts of heaven. He brought it out of the grove. He burned it in the book of Kidron, stamped it with a powder. Cast the powder, therefore, the groves of the children of the people. Break down the house of the Sodomites. This is what the king did when he made a promise to follow the, the, the Lord. Once again, let me just read the yellow part. He says, Here for no man can make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Moloch. No more putting your newborn babes upon the cow god. No more making the Christmas tree grows. No more worshiping God by putting your presents under a tree, burning incense, and pouring out wine to your God. No more doing that. As a result, verse 6, for the land had rest and had no war in those years because the Lord had given rest. So, if we are allowing these things into our churches, no wonder America's in trouble. If we're allowing these things into our life, no wonder we're having trouble. So we should not be cutting ourselves. We should not be making marks on us. We should not be putting up groves. We should not be worshiping other idols. That's what the Bible, this, this is Bible, okay? Oh, but Stan, that's Old Testament. Well, the only difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is how we get our sins forgiven. Wrong in the Old Testament is still wrong in the New Testament, right? Got to sacrifice a bull and that all rolls your sins back in the Old Testament. But the New Testament, Jesus is the perfect sin. But a sin is still a sin, right? Okay, praise God, we made it to the end. Okay, so let me back up. No, actually, actually, let me do it this way. In America, it is so easy. With commercials on TV, the movies, the music, our friends, the things coming out of their mouths, what we read, what it's so easy to allow these kind of gods to sneak into our life. It is so easy. Now, even if we realize they're in our life, does not necessarily mean it's easy to get out of our life. Agree? Not easy to get out. I mean, like, talk to a smoker. Is it easy to stop smoking? No. no, it's not easy. So sometimes old habits are really hard to break. So here's what i like to do this morning. Just a minute, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their head, close their eyes, because I don't want anybody looking around. And and then I'm gonna ask you, if you want, if you want me to pray for you, to help you to break something there, then I'll ask you to raise your hand. Okay? Let's be up and just bow our heads. Lord, we ask you to speak to our heart what you would have us to break, what you would have us to be set free from. And whoever wants me to pray for that thing, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to say what it is. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you in Jesus' name. Lord, these people that are have their hands up, Lord, as they're praying, they're asking to be set free from this thing. 
their household, their family, their home, their business, their finances, whatever it may it might be, also the people online, whatever that thing is that they need to be set free, Lord, we ask you to break the chains. We ask you to open up the handcuffs and release them. Lord, that's why you came. You came to set the captives free. Lord, we ask you to set the captives free this morning. And I pray in agreement with the prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you are not a member, let me encourage you to go to prophecyclub.com or spiritofprophecychurch.com and click right here and you can become a member. Why, Stan? Well, because I think it's saying before God, I'm not just a wandering generality out there. I'm not just something blowing in the wind. I've set my feet down. I proclaim that I believe in what Spirit of Prophecy Church is doing. And I want to say, I'm with them. I believe. And by the way, what do we believe? What do we believe? Okay. Very simplest way. We believe in the King James Bible. We do our best to read it and study it and follow it. And by the way, we have a Bible study on Friday night at 630. Friday night, 630. Yes. Friday, yes, okay, Friday. We do our best to just follow that King James Bible. And the whole purpose of the church is to help us to hide that in our hearts so that we won't sin against him and then to walk it out in our daily life. Is that, I mean, can you get any simple? Does it have to be complicated? It's, not, it's in the Bible. Read it. Follow it. Next thing, we encourage you to click like, share, and subscribe. And then finally, we've already prayed this this morning in an earlier one, but I want to do it again. Let's say someone is saying, I have to tell you a story. Leslie and I, I haven't even told Leslie this. Leslie and I had to go to the DFW airport this morning and take a COVID test. Now, you can imagine I'm not exactly happy about doing that. So I got back and I sat down to the lady that's going to give me the COVID test. Now, this would have been like about six o'clock this morning. And she starts pulling on one of those blue rubber gloves and I made a joke. I said, ha ha, no, no, no. Men don't like those. Don't, don't, don't pull those on around us. So that kind of broke up the ice a little bit. And I, I just, I couldn't stop it. But see, this is the way it is when we love the, the Lord Jesus. We can't stop it. The truth has to come out of us. We have to talk about Jesus all the time. And we do it in love. So I said, do you really believe what we're told about all of this? stuff. I better say the word. You know what I'm saying. Okay. And, she, and she smiled and she looked at me out of the corner. Right? She says, you know, we really can't talk about that much. And I said, I understand. She said, but I don't. I said, and so <clears throat> then I'm, am I taking it to believe that you think that this was probably created in a laboratory? <clears throat> she smiled. Now, this is the lady about to give me the test, okay? And that it was actually released on purpose. She smiled. And I said, and that they had patents for it five years before it released. And they had patents for the tests five years before it was released. So it was all part of a big plan. She says, now, you know, I can't talk about that. You read through the lines. 
I said, so you have Jesus in your heart? She says, no, I'm not a Christian. I said, do you know about the mark of the beast? She said, oh yeah, yeah, I know about that. I'm thinking, not, you know, it's not lining up here. If you know about the mark of the beast, you can. So I said, well, <clears throat> you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to gets to go to heaven unless they ride the coattails of the one that came down from heaven. No other God arose from the dead. If he can't rise from the dead, he can't raise you from the dead. Right? She says, well, I believe that. Then I said, then you are a Christian. Do you believe Jesus arose from the dead? She says, yeah. I'm only saying. Let me talk to the world for just a minute. The world out there thinks, well, I want to run with the beautiful crowd. The one that has the airplanes and the big buildings and lots of money and lots of fame and lots of fortune. Oh, you mean the ones that can't sleep at night has to take propofol to sleep? Oh, you mean the ones that toss and turn because they, they don't have any peace in their life anymore? You mean the ones that lose their children because they're going to hell and they're falling apart, the ladies that lose their health? You talking about the ones that die early? Are those the people you're talking about? Or are you talking about like, I've seen ministers live 80, 85, 90 years old, happy. I sleep peacefully and soundly at night. Deeply. Maybe not as good as I did when I was a teenager, but close sometimes, especially after I played racquetball. <laughs> this guy over here kicks me around in a racquetball court, wears me out, so I go home now, I sleep deep. In other words, it's the peace. Being a Christian is not exactly the easy, but it's a lot easier than not. Jesus says, my yoke is burden, and my, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. In other words, being a Christian is the better way. It might not be the jet set. It might not mean getting your name on the front of a magazine. It might not mean you're famous. It might not mean you have a whole lot of money. But I'll tell you what, after your, stock, your heart stops beating about two or three minutes after that, you're going to be really, really glad you had Jesus in your heart. Amen. So, uh, let me give you the scriptures. You folks out there that are in, I'm just putting the scriptures up there. There they are. There are the scriptures. But just like this lady this morning that put a little swab up my nose and back of my throat this morning. Wasn't bad. By the way, I'm negative. <gasps> so right after I was done, I said, so I guess now that I'm negative, I guess it's probably not time to go coughing and hacking and stuff. I mean, I make a lot of jokes like that. So. Just that quick. When she said she believed Jesus arose from the dead, when she said that, that is one of the things that no other religion can, can agree to. 
They can't do that. No one else can say, yeah, my God came back from the dead. Buddha's still in the grave. Uh, Allah. You know, they're still in the grave. Jesus came out of the grave. See, I've been to his grave. He's not there. Matter of fact, I've got pictures of I can prove he's not in the grave. It doesn't have to be complicated, my brothers and sisters. Let's all say it this way. Jesus, be my God. I love you. It's as simple as that. Ask him to be your God. Ask him to come into your heart. He will change your life. He can fix things that can't be fixed. A lot of people that are just in misery, they're not a Christian. Jesus, I like the bumper sticker that says, no Jesus, as in K-N-O-W, no Jesus, and then N-O, no peace. Question, N-O, no Jesus, N-O, no peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. No Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. It's about right, huh? Lord, we thank you for the word this morning. Help us not to do the things that the heathen do. Help us to come out and be separate. Help us not to be part of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.